0: Tonight and uh, before I start, I just need to reboot my laptop. And give me two seconds here. It's one of the things I didn't see coming was that it would. Now I just got to remember the password. No stress. Here we go. One, two, three, four, five, six. Thank you very much. Good evening, everyone. It's great to be here. Um, and Dan is very um, is very keen to often say that he. Um, he, he was with the last person to preach before lockdown. Uh, what he often doesn't mention is that there was a guy who followed him that evening on the 15th of March, and it was yours truly, and um, so I think we're about 540 days into our 21-day lockdown, and um, you know, it's been quite a journey, and it's a great privilege tonight to be here, and thank you very much to Sandy and to the team, to the worship team, thank you very much for setting it up and for praying for me in particular. And thank you very much for the team behind the desk there. really appreciate Dylan, Sam, and, uh, and Greg, and, and Dan helping out there. Um, and it's really a great privilege to be here tonight talking about work. Okay, and I'm, I'm, a, I'm, you know, I'm not a professional preacher by any manner of means, and I think uh, Lance reminded me of that this evening. Um, but uh, it's great to be here, and it's great to be talking about work and really how we connect our work with God's work. And I think that's really um, one of the things that we're going to talk about tonight. And we're going to start off just by looking at Genesis 1, 1 to 27, and then we'll look a little bit at a couple of verses from, from uh, chapter 2 as well. And so before we... Um, I'm just going to read that first, and then we'll pray, and then we'll get started. So if you can just turn in your Bibles to uh, Genesis 1. And I'm just going to read... Uh, I'm going to leave out a couple of verses as we go, just in the interests of time. Um, but I really would like everybody to focus a little bit on on who's doing the creating. We often, we, we often look at, at what is being created. But let's think about who's creating. So reading from verse 1. In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void. And darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light, and God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning, the first day. And God made the expanse and separated the waters, this is from verse 7, under the expanse from the waters that was above the expanse, and it was so. And God called the expanse heaven, and there was evening, and there was morning, the second day. And God said, let the waters under the heavens be gathered together unto one place, and let the dry land appear. And it was so. God called the dry land earth, and the waters that were gathered together he called seas. And God saw that it was good. And God said, let the earth sprout vegetation, plants yielding seeds, and fruit trees bearing fruit, in which is their seed, each according to its kind on the earth. And it was so. And then from verse 13, it was evening, and there was morning the third day, carrying on to verse 16, and God made the two great lights, the greater light to rule the day, and the lesser light to rule the night, and the stars, and God set them in the the expanse of the heavens to give light to the earth, to rule over the day and over the night, and to separate the light from the darkness, and God saw that it was good, and there was evening, and there was morning the fourth day. Verse 21, so God created the great sea creatures and every living creature that moves with with which the waters swarm according to their kinds and every winged bird according to its kind and God saw it was good and there was evening and there was morning the fifth day. Verse 25, and God made the beasts of the earth according to their kinds and the livestock according to their kinds and everything that creeps on the earth according to its kind and God saw it was good. Then God said, let us make man in our image, in our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And then carrying on in Genesis 2 from verse 1, Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, And all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. And then in verse 15, um, the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and to keep it. Let us pray. Lord, we worship you as the great creator, the creator of the the seas, of the sky, the stars, the animals, the plants, and ourselves. And Lord, we thank you for creating this beautiful planet for us to live on. We thank you as as the worship team saying that you are our creator king. We thank you that we are here to help you and to work with you on this planet. And Lord, we confess that many times we view the work that we do purely from our own perspective. But Lord, we pray tonight that you may open our hearts and minds to your truth. And Lord, I pray that you would speak through your servant tonight to bring perhaps a different perspective on work as we seek to glorify you. We ask this in your precious name. Amen. And so tonight we're talking about work. And um, work is really defined as any activity uh, that any mental or physical effort done in order p- to achieve a purpose or a result. And um, so really when you think about that, it's not about payment, right? You know, we all get to work in some way, even if we're not even employed yet, even the students here tonight that aren't earning, they'll be saying they're earning nothing, but they're probably earning a little bit. They're earning a, a rent, and they're earning a bit of accommodation, and, Probably some food if the parents are feeling generous. But everyone's working and contributing in some way. And so we kind of need to decouple work from payment. Now money enables us to work. It's one way of, of us benefiting from work. But it's not the only way. And so I've got a few, few things that I'm going to put on the screen now. And really just to think about different ways in which we believe that we can glorify or to serve God at work. What I'd like you to do is to have a look at these things and see which of these do you think is the main way that you glorify God at work? Is it to be to further social justice in the world? Is it to be personally honest and, evangel- and evangelize colleagues? Is it to do skillful, excellent work and or to create beauty? Is it to work from a Christian motivation to glorify God? By engaging and influencing culture? Is it to work with a grateful, joyful, gospel changed heart? Is it to do what gives you the greatest joy and passion? Is it to make lots of money so that you can give generously to missions, etc.? So I'm going to do a quick survey now. I'll pick one of those. There are no wrong answers. Who says number number one? Number two? Number three? Okay, raise them nice and high so we can see them. Number four. Okay. Some hesitation. Number five. Late one over there. Great. Number six. Number seven. Good. So, what you can see as we did that exercise, we all have a slightly different view of what we work is about. And we have a slightly different view. Um, and maybe it's a combination of these things. Maybe it depends on the context that we find ourselves working. And so really what we're going to do today is I'm going to begin the first of a, of a series of, of discussions around work. This is based on a book by Timothy Keller called Every Good Endeavor, Connecting Your Work to God's Work. And so I've shamelessly copied with pride and pasted with dignity. And I fully acknowledge him and uh, the, in, in the book that he put together in terms of, of talking about this tonight. And really tonight we're talking about one key question is why do we want to work? Why do we need to work hard? leader fulfilled life. And so that's what we're going to be looking at tonight. And so in order to do that, we're going to be looking at two things. The one is that that God has designed us for work. And the second thing is that work gives us dignity. And so let's look at the first part of it. The first part of it is that God has designed us to work. And if we remember that verse we read a little bit earlier, uh, Genesis 2 verse 15, the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to chill in it and to relax right? No. <laughs> he, put us, he put man in the Garden of Eden to work it and to keep it, okay? And so right at the very beginning, we see God as the original worker. In the beginning, there was work. There was the, the, the Lord divinely creating the, the earth and the heavens, as we read just now. And so God's creation itself is described as an act of work. He's working from the very beginning, and we end up working together with him in paradise. The second thing we see from Genesis 1, is, as we read that just now, you would have seen that that God delighted to create. I don't know if anybody's ever spent a Saturday morning working in the garden, and you rest at lunchtime, and you look back over that pristine lawn that you've just mown. I see Dan nodding at the back there. And you get that wonderful sense of being part of creation. You've, you've helped do something great for for, for for creation. You can see the handiwork of your labors out in front of you. And that you get that sense as well as we read through Genesis seven times in seven days. God looked on what he created and he said it was good. He was really excited about it and, and got great delight in creating. Other thing is that God provides for the creation. He's made it, he's taken delight in it, and he's also providing for us in it. And I'm sure all of us will recall Matthew 6 verse 26. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap. Nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And so we see the sense that. God also provides for his creation. He, He brings us into that. And he looks after us. The same as he looks after the birds. And he looks after our own needs. But not only does he provide for us. But he also commissions us to work with him, and he works through us in creation. Psalm 127, verse 1, I'm sure this is also familiar. Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. And then Psalm 45, 14 to 16. The Lord upholds all those who are falling and raises up all who are bowed down. The eyes of all look to you, and you give them their food in due season. You open your hand. You satisfy the desire of every living being. So this wonderful sense of, of us being commissioned by God to work in his creation and to partner with him. The interesting thing is, is that you know work is good. It's a part of paradise. But we also see that both God works and Jesus works, and the Holy Spirit works. If you recall in John 5.17, there's this this discussion between the Jews and Jesus about healing on the Sabbath. And Jesus answers them, My Father is working until now, and I am working. And then in John 14.26, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I said to you. So there you have the sense of God working, Jesus working, And the Holy Spirit also working. He's working by teaching. And he's working by helping us remember the things that have been said. And so really if you think about it, if if God is working, if Jesus is working, the Holy Spirit is working, who are we to not work? How could we not be working as well? The other thing is that that we build relationships through work. And one of the wonderful passages is really this wonderful image of, of God sitting with Adam, naming the animals, in Genesis 2:19 to 20. Now, Out of the ground the Lord God had formed every beast of the field and every bird of the heavens and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called every living creature, that was his name. The man gave names to all livestock and to the birds of the heavens and to every beast of the field. And so there's really this picture of, of Adam almost sitting on God's knee um, the same way that some of us learned the names of those animals, this was Adam naming the animals. And you wonder what he named them. I mean, did he really come up with giraffe straight off the bat or did he call it the long-heeled horse or something? Was there a discussion about these names? But either way, there was a relationship as they worked together to name the animals. And then finally, we are also commanded to work as one of the Ten Commandments. In Exodus 20, verse 9 to 10, Six days shall you labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or the traveler who's within your gates. And So we get the sense that, that we really are um, encouraged um, and we commanded to work. And then there's a promise that comes with that. When we work, there's a blessing of peace and righteousness that we find in Isaiah 48:17 and 18. Thus says the Lord, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, I am the Lord, your God, who teaches you to profit, who leads you in the way you should go. Oh, that you'd paid attention to my commandments. Then your peace would have been like a river, and your righteousness like the waves of the sea. And so there's this commandment to work, followed by a blessing and a sense of righteousness. And it's interesting that we're called to work for six days a week. And a lot of us have jobs that, are, that involve 40 hours a week, maybe five days a week. And, and I guess you know the question is really, as we look around ourselves in, in a time of urgent f- physical and spiritual need, is there any work that we should be doing on that sixth day to address that? Are we called to spend the sixth day in a ministry, um, volunteering, working without pay? And, you know, there are many ways to get involved, particularly at Watercliffe Baptist. Um, there's, there's things that have been done around the operations of the church. And I just you know, I want to call out the many people who've, who are working behind the desk there tonight. You know, And that's really a wonderful example of people volunteering and giving up and working for the Lord. The thing is that work has its limits as well, though. If we note that God rested on the seventh day. And it's really important not only to rest but also to think about what we do while we rest, and in particular how we worship. Pastor Paul, you gave a great example a couple of weeks ago about Marlene honoring the Lord by not doing her studies on the Sabbath, and how that panned out in the following week, and how there was a blessing that followed that. And so really important for us to be finding time to rest, particularly if we find ourselves saying that we hate work, we hate what we're doing, and we, or alternatively, that we find ourselves consumed by work. We often meet people who say life is hectic, particularly during the lockdown. I've just overworked and I've been overburdened, and that's really a challenge for ourselves when we feel that to be saying to ourselves we need to rest and we need to spend some time with the Lord. And so there are the five points on the screen how we designed to work those five points, and just you know just to try and wrap it up in terms of. Of of the fact that it's really important for us to get to grips with the fact that we are designed to work. We're not actually designed to chill and to relax, unfortunately. The second point is that there's dignity in work. And this is incredibly important. And we get lots of lies around work. There's lots of lies that say that, um, that work is merely a demeaning necessity. It's something that we have to do. And the Greeks actually saw work as a curse. And the Greek gods in particular, they didn't work. The Greek mythology, as I understand it, probably imperfectly, was that the gods came down and they settled on earth or around close to earth and they expected to be served. And how different is that to the Lord that we serve, one of servant leadership and to create a, and a, and a creator king? So they, there was that whole idea by the Greeks that actually Aristotle said that unemployment is a primary qualification for a worthwhile life. I mean, how can that be? I mean, tell that to the 34% of our country. That just doesn't make sense, does it? So really, we have to work. Plato said, ignore the body. He saw the work as a barrier to the highest kind of life. And he believed that work that involved the mind was much better than the work that involved the body. The Slaves were to do the work. The elites did the arts, philosophy, and politics. How different is that to the, to the God that we've just thought about as we read through Genesis 1? The other lie that persists today is that work is a necessary evil. That the only good work is that which, which enables us to feed families and to pay others and that it must come with a form of payment. We've touched on this earlier. And so there's this idea that low-paying work is below our dignity. We're too good for low paid jobs. We're too good for any work that doesn't involve any pay at all. And so we end up sometimes falling into a trap of choosing work that pays well versus work that fits our gifts. Okay, and that's one of the big things, you know, I want to talk a little bit to the, the young folk here that are, are studying and about to start work. There's that tension that you're going to wrestle with that high paid job in a company that you know is filled with sharks, okay, or that other job that's going to serve the Lord. Okay, and I'm not saying money, it's not good to be paid well in your job. I'm not saying that, but I think you can't, when we start sacrificing the things we love for money, then we're probably gonna end up in a job that's not gonna fulfill us. And it's really important for us to be aware of that tension. Another thing that's really important is an idea that sometimes that, that service work is better than physical work. Sorry, I said that completely wrong, didn't I? This idea that knowledge work is better than service work. I think that makes more sense. Okay, and you know, we renovated a bathroom recently and what I realized it 's very easy to take a piece of paper and you put a circle around the bath and you write on there, "Remove bath" and you draw an arrow showing the bath on the grass outside and Then I listened to the four people getting the bath out of the bathroom okay and there was shouting and there was sweat and there was it probably was even swearing as they maneuvered that bath into the into, uh, through the window and into the garden outside and that for me was suddenly a really potent you know, description that, that work, knowledge work and service work have got to go together. You can't have one without the other. Theory without practical application is meaningless. And so we really need to think about, about, about how we approach the work there as well. We also need to think about this idea of, of, of choosing to be unemployed rather than doing work that we think is, is beneath us and showing disdain for those service jobs. And there's a challenge in that. There's a challenge, and I, and I know it's, it's, it's maybe personal for some people here tonight, people that are trying to find a job. But I want to encourage you, don't, don't focus just on the jobs. Look around you, see what else can be done and what work can be done for the Lord while you're waiting for that job. Sometimes the Lord asks us to wait actively rather than just passively. And so really the challenge is, is there any work that we might have declined do because it doesn't pay well enough or because the money wasn't good enough? And maybe this is where the rubber hits the road, you know, in terms of... We talk a lot in, in, in Christianese about, about pride and humility and how we, we need to try and, and avoid being proud and to be humble. But really in this area of work, that's often where it really hits the road. Are we too proud to do certain work? Or are we happy to do anything that, that forwards God's creation? So what I want to say then, instead, is work is a mark of dignity, and if we can just yeah, it's great. Thank you, Sam. Um, that that we've been created in God's image as a worker. In Genesis 1, 26 and 28, we've been given a job to do: to rule the earth with, with, sorry, to rule the earth with responsibility and righteousness, to bring order out of chaos, to build civilization, and to further God's creation. And all of us are royal rulers in that regard, as we, as we build up God's creation and we support it with the work that we do. And so all kinds of work are important, particularly the service work and the work that involves getting hands dirty. And that's, that's evidenced in what we read tonight by the manual labor of creating the world, which was initially formless and empty. But also think of God as a gardener. He planted a garden in Eden in Genesis 2 verse 8. The Lord God planted a garden in Eden, in the east, and there He put the man whom He had formed. Think of Jesus as a carpenter. In Matthew's Mark six verse three, is this not the carpenter, the son of Mary, and the brother of James and Joseph and Joseph and Judas and Simeon? Think of Paul. Paul was a tent maker. Acts eighteen two to three. And he went to see them, and because of And because he was of the same trade, he stayed with them and worked, for they were tent makers by trade. Let us also reflect on people that are cheerfully and faithfully working in jobs that that probably don't pay very much. One of the people that that really amazes me are the two people, actually. One is is Cliffy the car guard. There's a man who's, who's cheerful every single Sunday, every single Sunday. There's Isaac who's been here for 30 or 40 years, faithfully looking after the church as a caretaker. There are the managers and the volunteers at Hidden Treasure working so that people can have access to goods at good prices and that the proceeds can go to Glenhaven and Bethesda. We think of the petrol attendants, the security guards. And the question really is, do we we count ourselves among those people that are working cheerfully? Or do we count ourselves amongst the people that are feeling grim? In terms of dignity, though, I think the important point is that the physical world really matters. It's not only about the spiritual domain. The planet that we call called to care for is good. It is a forerunner of the new heaven and the new earth. And this world will be purified and restored and enhanced at the renewal of all things. We see this in Matthew 19:28. Jesus said to them, Truly I say to you, in the new world, when the Son of Man will sit on his glorious throne... You who have followed me will also sit on 12 thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel. And so this leads us to the thought that, that secular work has no less dignity and ability than the sacred work of ministry. And don't get me wrong here. You know, I mean, Pastor Paul and Pastor Dan would love to see people move into full-time ministry. And I think we would all would love to see that. But some of us aren't called to do that. And that doesn't mean that our work is inferior. God, through the Holy Spirit, he waters the garden. In Psalms 65, 9-10, to You visit the earth and water it. You greatly enrich it. The river of God is full of water. You preside, provide their grain, for, you, for so you have prepared it. But in addition to watering the garden, there's also the preaching of the gospel that go together. John 16, 8, And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness, and judgment. and So we are both body and soul, and this is illustrated really well in the Greek word shalom, which includes both the physical and the spiritual vitality. And so these two must come together in our working lives. And so that just that means that just because we're not in the ministry doesn't mean that we can't be working for God, no matter what the job is. And then finally, God really delights in diversity and creativity. We look at the richest, richness of creation that we read about just now, and you think about the wide variety of things that were created. God was an astrophysicist and a botanist and a zoologist and a whatever is that does the seas and the heavens. But he was all of those things at once, an oceanographer and a hemispherographer. But he really rejoiced and delighted in creation. And in, Psalm, in Proverbs 8:29, when he marked out the foundations of the earth, then I was beside him like a master workman, and I was daily his delight, rejoicing before him always, rejoicing in his, in his inhabited world and delighting in the children of man. And so we have the freedom to seek and work we seek work and provide work which meets our gifts and passions. And we really need to seek ways in which we partner with God in creativity and cultivation. And then finally, remembering that work has got dignity, the question is how do we help those around us to get dignity through work? Maybe instead of doing, doing certain tasks ourselves, we need to think about how we can give dignity to other people through work. We live in this country of 34% unemployment, and Ben reminded me the other night that maybe that number is much more. And so I'd almost go so far to say to the, the people in this room, the people watching online, you know, we're probably part of a privileged small percentage of this country and of the planet. And we probably have some kind of obligation to seek ways in which we can help others to work. You know, to work in order to to receive money in return for their work, but also to gain the dignity that we've been speaking about tonight, the dignity of working. And let's be challenged on ourselves. How do we do that? How do we actually act as an agent to provide dignity for other people the same way in which our Lord has provided dignity to us? And so finally, in conclusion, there's this this idea that I really wanted to, to land tonight about God designing us to work with dignity. And um, I'd like to read a small section from from a book called, it's a book called, um, it's a good book called Why, Biz, Why Business Matters to God by a person called Jeff Funduza, And it said, food that nourishes, roofs that hold out the rain, shade that protects from the heat of the sun, the satisfaction of material needs, and desires of men and women, when businesses produce material things that enhance the welfare of the community, they are engaged in work that really matters to God. And so think about what we 're doing. Think about the work that you do. Maybe it 's a work to help people appreciate the beauty of the planet. maybe it 's a work to discover new ways and, and new bits of science and technology. And how that can be applied in different ways. Maybe it's to meet the physical needs of people. Maybe it's to help people learn and to become educated. Maybe it's to build dams that are going to hold water. Maybe it's to further electricity across the continent. Whatever you're doing, think about, Think of, maybe it's music. Maybe it's the act of music just bringing pleasure to people and making people appreciate the music that God has brought to us. Think about the work that you do. And think about how you can really, really help God provide for this wonderful planet that's been created. How do we change the way? How do we how do we build the kingdom through our work? How do we need to maybe change the way in which we view work and how we view rest? How do we change the way in which we view work and see it through God's eyes instead of just a means to another dollar? And then finally, how do we help other people to work and get dignity? Let us pray. Lord, I want to thank you, Lord, for the blessing of your creation. I want to thank you, Lord, for the way in which you've designed us and the immense privilege we have, Lord, of working with you in creation. And Lord, we feel the responsibility of looking after this planet that you've created and how you've put uh, put us on it to work it and to keep it, Lord. And I pray, Lord, that you would help everybody here in particular the young folk, Lord, that are looking for for new ways to work, that may be seeking companies to work in, Lord, that you'd bring before them companies that have a purpose that's aligned to your vision for creation, that they may seek to build the planet, Lord. But, Lord, not only the planet, but to seek to build the people on the planet as well and to care for them and to help them be provided for, as you would provide for us as well. And then, Lord, I pray on top of that that you would take these opportunities to help us to bring those people closer to you spiritually as well. And, Lord, I pray that as we go out in the week ahead, you would really help us to seek ways in which we can further your kingdom through our work. We pray, Lord, that you would put on our hearts a desire to seek your will for our individual lives and the purpose that you've created us for. We ask this in your precious name. Amen.